Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to Daily DVR. My name, of course, is Axel, and you are listening to the Friday Rundown. That's what I'm calling it, the Friday Rundown. Check us out at dvrpodcast.com. Also become a patron at patreon.com slash dvr. Want to thank all the patrons. Couldn't do it without you. You all are absolutely positively amazing. And, uh, you know, I don't talk all the time about the Patreon. I say, Hey, you'll get things early, which is true. You'll get things ad free, which pretty much everything's ad free now. Um, but the important thing really is for me and the money helps. Of course, I'm not going to lie. Um, it costs money to keep the website up. And I do honestly put in a fair amount of time, not only to um, recording, but to editing, posting, production, all that kind of stuff. So it really does help. I mean, I am a stay-at-home dad. I take care of my son, Lachlan. He's going to be 11 years old this Sunday. Yep, his, his, what do they call that again? The twin birthday, because it's 11 or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so during the day I am, you know, cleaning up the house, getting dinner ready, um, planning, doing stuff like that, taking care of the house. We have a much bigger house now, so it's taking a little bit more time today. I did some dishes, some laundry vacuumed, of course, took care of the dog, getting ready for his birthday. Then when he gets home, you know, we got to do the homework, make sure he has a snack, give him an hour or so of playing on the video games, but try to get him out of the house, do something with him. I mean, obviously as he gets older, he's going to do these things on his own, but he does need a bit of a guidance. And I guess, you know, he's an only child. So we're kind of close. We hang out a lot. Um, but the money does, does help justify to the time that I put into it. And like I said, um, it, it does help out me too, feeling as though I'm accomplishing something. Um, but the Patreon is very important too, for psychological reasons, for support. It means so much that someone would actually put the money that they worked for that, you know, that helps their life that give, puts food in their mouth, keeps the lights on for them would give that to us to do something that they enjoy so much saying to us, Hey, wow, I even took the time to look you up on the website. You know how many people have listened to our podcasts in the history of doing podcasts? I mean, I get um, um, notifications all the time, uh, what charts we're on and it's crazy all over the world. People listen to us and we have patrons from all over the world. So, um, I'm going to do a patron shout out right now. This is going from newest. I think this is actually in order. Let me say, Oh, it is. It's newest to oldest. This is awesome. So, uh, these are our active patrons. I want to say thank you. Of course, to Mike, one, Mike, Jessica, a newer patron, Bobby, Newer patron, very active, sending me great messages of support. Emily, Emily, how are you doing? Lady Pris, going back to the days of um, podcast Winterfell. Manny, my fellow Jets fan. Monza, 
Monsa, I don't know much about you. Hit me up. What's going on? Aaron Bell, my old friend Aaron from Durham. Kim, New Jersey. Tay, Tay, how you doing? Pizza Eaters, amazing t-shirts that Pizza Eaters makes. I'm always seeing those on the Facebook. Andy, of course, Brett, Heath, Jenny. We know, uh, we love Jenny's got to come on the show. I think she's on her vacay now. Jenny, we'll see. We'll talk to you soon. Bill Kava, Bill, Bill's out there in the world traveling, doing something crazy, uh, supporting the lost family. Uh, Grandpa James, what more could be said? Love you, Grandpa. Our old friend Derek from the Conspirituality Podcast. We're going to have him on soon. Gina, Gina, our super patron, amazing podcaster herself. Kellum, the man, a Bills fan. Sorry that the Jets are going to beat the Bills, but we still love you for being a patron, Kellum. And of course, our old friend, Joe Bear. If I forgot anyone, I don't think I did. I'm reading it right from the thing. Um, Thank you to each and every one of you. And thank you for anyone that has been a patron in the past. And if you want to be a patron and you want to get exclusive pods and you can't afford it or it's not in your budget, just send us an email at dailydvr at gmail.com. I've always said that. I would, if you say, hey, I'm a longtime listener, I'd love to be a patron, but I don't really make a lot of cash and it's just not within my means at this point to be kind of doing that. I'd say, here, here you go. I'll give you a feed because you know why? We appreciate you. That's right, baby. And it is that support that it really means a lot. So starting off this show with a little special shout out to those patrons. And uh, now I'm going to get into, uh, what did I call it? The Friday Rundown? <laughs> I'll change it next time. I was hoping to have our good friend Peter from Australia on today, but that was not possible. And uh, a little bit of time dilation going on in the world. Australia is, it's crazy to think about it, but it's like today it's Friday at 1247 PM Pacific. And I think it's like six o'clock on Saturday in Australia or something. Man, that just, when you start thinking about that, it's like, that's some crazy stuff. Anyway, I'm going to go through some news. Um, I've got up uh, the uh, good old Hollywood Reporter, Variety, Dark Horizons. I'm going to get good old Deadline up there. What else? Maybe look a little TV line or something like that. I'm going to try to grab some news stuff, chat a lot. A little bit about it with you, give you my opinion. Let's give you something to think about. You know, why not? What did I say? TV line? I'm going to bring that up too. Sometimes they have some TV news. Let's see. Let's go to TV line and let's see. I'm just going to bring it up right now. Oh, I don't want to know the, the winner of Project Runway. That's not something I want to know. Um, let's see. Anything interesting? Man, this is, I shouldn't have brought up TV line. Who cares about TV line? I already got something from Dark Horizons. There was a new trailer that dropped today. Just yesterday, Andy and I were talking about most anticipated television shows of the fall. And this is a show that's coming out in early 2024. So that is, I guess, winter of 2024. And it's called Monsieur Spade, a new Clive Owen led neo noir crime drama that hails from Scott Frank and Tom Fantana. 
Scott Frank wrote Minority Report out of sight, Logan. Um, and he also did Brett, I know, loves Godless, which I have not checked out yet. And something that we all enjoyed, The Queen's Gambit. Okay. Now, Tom Fontana, I might have said it weird the first time, but I'm from New Jersey. Give me a break. Tom Fontana, come on. Homicide, Oz. He recently did City on a Hill. This is a six-episode series starring Clive Owen, and he's basically playing Sam Spade, the character that Humphrey Bogart played in The Maltese Falcon and, of course, was many, uh, what was it, many novels that Dashiell Hammett wrote. Um, So this looks pretty good. The investigator is out of his element when rumors implicate a young child with purported supernatural abilities. Spade is forced to reconsider everything that he thinks he knows. And there's a nice trailer here on um, on Dark Horizons that you can check out. It looks great. Clive Owen. Hey, what's up? He's also in the Murder at the End of the World, Britt Marling thing we talked about yesterday. That's awesome. Uh, I'm kind of excited about that. I'm interested. This is coming out on AMC and AMC Plus. AMC Plus. You know, finally... I'm just about to talk about um, uh, Brad Anderson directing Twilight of the Dead, but I should mention The Walking Dead. I had a thought recently. Now, listen, the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead were great. They didn't always make the best choices plot-wise. It might have dragged a little bit here and there, but generally speaking, high-quality television, and I think throughout... What did they end up doing, 12 or 13 seasons? I think up until about maybe the, maybe right after Negan was introduced is when it started. I think a lot of people left the show because there was, I don't, I still don't like being a spoiler. There was a certain character that Negan kills that was a favorite character of everyone. And it just felt a little reductive too. Um, for some, a baby, perhaps a bit racist that this character was chosen, uh, to be taken out. And, um, that, well, basically the show went down in quality. I think that's when the ratings started going down, even though they probably, it still probably brings in more viewers than, than fucking succession did. Um, even in its high, highest peak. Um, but the production value actually started to go down. Okay. Because things at AMC changed and unlike so many of the other companies, I mean, I'm not any Hollywood insider, but I just know that AMC is its own company. It's owned independently. It's not part of Warner brothers or Google or whatever, or Apple or Amazon. It's its own company. And, um, they, uh, hold things close to the vest and they've always had an interesting way of green lighting things, an interesting process, right? Where they would basically just green light series. They were one of the first places along with FX to be doing that. HB, even HBO, it took them a while, you know. HBO would say something's going straight to series. And then after the pilot, they'd be like, nope, go back, do it again. Or like they did with Game of Thrones. Or we're not doing it. Like, remember that? What was that famous Diane Keaton where I think Diane Keaton was playing like Nikki Fink from uh, from Deadline, I think, and the, it would the series never went forward, and a lot of people said it was great, but I guess HBO didn't want to go forward with it. Anyway, regardless, 
AMC has always had a, um, a particular way of doing things. And around that time that The Walking Dead started kind of going down in quality and soon after things started changing in streaming. They don't have as much money, blah, 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 blah. But they're still committed to all these Walking Dead shows. And now there's a new one uh, with Daryl in France. And there's like another spinoff with, I think, Negan and someone in another city. And then and then what's his name is coming back. Not not Carl, but the guy who said Carl Rick is coming back. Um, and I wonder, I wonder, uh, maybe I should check out the walking dead again. This is what this is. This is a long way of coming back to it is I feel like now that's like, everything's been sucked out of it. Is it possible that it could be, it could get good again, that they could go somewhere with this story. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know, I, but I've, I kind of got that feeling. I might check out an episode of this Daryl show, even though I found him to be the least interesting character. On, he just grunts and looks like he needs to wash his hair. But other than that, I know so many people love that show. That's the thing is that it, it still has a very strong fan base of people who love it. And sometimes when things get played out, Somebody comes along in one of these shows and and finds a way to make something great, you know, because they are just throwing money at this. So if you're going to do three, four or five different shows, one of them may turn out to be kind of awesome. I know that I know there are some people who think that there are certain seasons of Fear the Walking Dead that were really good. And I do remember watching one season in particular. I can't remember whether it was like it was later, like the third or the fourth or something. I kind of got back into it. Maybe it was even later than that because I think that thing went like nine or ten seasons um, that I thought was pretty good. Um, Long way of saying Brad Anderson is directing Twilight of the Dead. Filmmaker Brad Anderson session nine, the machinist, remember the machinist when Christian Bale weighed like 15 pounds has been set to direct twilight of the dead, the seventh and final install, the final installment of George a Romero's official, official living dead franchise at round table entertainment. Even though there's been like 18,000 remakes redone. I mean, come on, even our man, uh, Zaki Poo did that. The Snyder Cut is out there. Um, first revealed in 2021, the film unfolds on a tropical island. It deals with the last humans on Earth who are caught between, didn't they do this already? Factions of the dead. As usual, there's socio-political commentary amongst the genre trappings. It's nice writing. Um, yeah, what is up with this? Okay, you know, this is something I read. This is what I do. I read this and I say, why the fuck is Brad Anderson doing this? What's going on with Brad Anderson? And I go to Google. I'm going to Google Brad. I'm going to take you along my trip that I'm going on. Brad Anderson. And then I go I go something like this. I write director jail. Uh, let's see. Is there any articles about it? No. Let's see. What is the last thing Brad Anderson joins? Oh, okay. He's, he, he, he did. He directed some Peacemaker. Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Brad Anderson as a director. Let's take a look at, let's take a look at what he's done lately. There he is. What do we know him for? Previous as a director, blood, 
haven't heard of it. Devil in Ohio, two episodes of a miniseries. Peacemaker, one episode. Clickbait, Debris, Treadstone. Oh, I remember that. That was the... um. That was the uh, Treadstone was the one that was a spinoff of the um, Born Identity. Yeah, that was actually kind of decent. Uh, that wasn't that bad. So it has actually been a, a little while here since Brad has directed a movie. It is hard. I mean, you see the things directors do this. He did a couple episodes of Titans, The Sinner, two episodes. Yeah, a lot of TV. Let's see what the hand of God, Stonehurst Asylum. Oh, this was a really bad movie. Ooh, whoa. Oh, gosh, it's like some bad Ben Kingsley, Jim Sturgis, Kate Beckinsale. Got it. Wait, what's not a bad cast, but this didn't. Oh, this is getting some bad ratings. I never heard of it. In 2014. Yeah, I guess Brad just having trouble getting a movie off the ground, which a lot of people have. Oh, hey, he directed an episode of Alcatraz. The Killing. Yeah, did Boardwalk Empire, 12 episode of Fringe, one episode of, of uh, Rubicon, directed two episodes of The Wire, a couple episodes of The Shield. Look at that. All right, interesting. His first movie was that he, that got him um, some acclaim was Next Stop Wonderland. Remember that movie? I do remember that. An unlucky and loved nurse finds her life taking a detour when her mother places a personal ad in the paper while on the other side of Boston, a plumber is trying to change careers. Starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and Hope Davis. Look at that. Next stop Wonderland. I remember sometimes a movie comes and all and all of a sudden I'm transported back to world of video and I have to fucking shelve this thing. And I'm like, okay, that's a comedy, right? Am I right? That's going in comedy. That's not going in drama. Next stop Wonderland. Uh, Happy accidents with Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, and oh, and Marissa Tomei, two thousand. Yeah, okay. Hey, look at Brad. He had some dramas there, some like kind of uh, romantic comedies and dramas to start the career. We're taking a deep dive on Brad Anderson. Anyway, interesting. That's what I kind of look at when I'm like, then later on, he did Session 9 in The Machinist, as we said. Uh, and I guess The Machinist is maybe what he's best known for. Um, but I don't know. This is like... Uh, we just felt like we were, um, Andy and I were talking. I was telling him about how Jeff Nichols spent like four years trying to make a uh, a, a freaking movie, and then he also was trying to make an Aquaman movie too. They hired him to write Aquaman, or he was, and then the, that four years was remaking Alien Nation. It's just it's very difficult. You see when. Man, maybe I should read more of that link letter article and talk about it when uh, Heath gets back. Um, kind of talk about this state of film and why it is so hard for directors to get the money to make a film. I guess if films cost so much money, but I also feel like why are you still working within the system? Like 
go get a fucking iPhone or just go out and buy a fucking 5K camera. So, I mean, you know, if you're directing episodes of television, you could probably, you know, you could probably afford it, invest a little bit in your fucking career, you know, go, go fucking make a movie, go write it and make it. People get caught in the system. And, um, that's my hope from this strike, which continues on, which is one of the reasons I'm looking at some of these, uh, um, this news and, uh, I'm like, who gives a fuck <laughs> scream creator says pay Nev Campbell. Wow. Very interested in the newest scream movie. Um, what is it like the eighth, ninth one? I don't know. Do people really care about that shit? Like, is there, are there people on Twitter who are like getting up in the morning and being like, Nev Campbell deserves to get paid for scream. <laughs> like I'm really, I am standing my ground on this one. Um, I don't know. That's the complainer voice. This is how I talk when I'm complaining. Um, uh, but anyway, I, I don't know. I guess people do, but there's not a lot of news cause of strike. And one of the things that I hope more than anything, I mean, are actors and directors, I mean, actors and writers going to end up getting paid correctly. And all of a sudden, all the billionaires, studio owners are going to be like, hey, I don't need eight jets. You can have one. No, that's not going to happen. Um, are they going to give on AI? No, they're not. In some, We're going to get movies that are, you are going to be able to order up a movie. You're going to be able to go on Netflix and put in and, and follow a tree, right? And say like, what do you want? Romantic comedy, upbeat or more thoughtful, right? Um, what ethnicity do you want the people? How old do you want the people? Do you want it a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man? You know, what, whatever you want, you're going to be able to choose it, right? And then when you get to the actors, you're going to be able to choose the actors too. Because this stuff is, all this stuff is going to happen. It's just how people get paid. You can't stop it. And that's going to be very interesting too. I mean, think about that. I bet you they'll have contests of people creating their own movies on Netflix and you can share your movie with your friend. And then they'll say, who made the best movie? Oh, this one, watch these top five films. The algorithm went through these movies and figured that these were the ones that people would like the best. And then all of a sudden that person gets a deal to direct a movie or something. I don't know. Who knows? It's probably going to go back and forth. You're going to have, you're going to be able to have, you know, uh, put like De Niro in the princess bride or something. You're going to be able to do whatever the fuck you want to do and just order it up. It's just who gets paid. None of that's the, you know, for me in the end, what I hope happens is that it spurs creativity in some way, you know, that a lot of these people are sitting around now, not sitting around a lot of people protesting or whatnot, but there are a lot of people who are, or striking, I should say, are a lot of people who are, don't have much to do now. Maybe they think of something like, I don't know, an original fucking story. That's nice. That's something that could happen and say, Hey, I actually just want to pick up a camera. This is what always perplexes me. I actually want to pick up a camera and just make a story. That's what I did when I was a kid. That's what I did in my 20s, 30s. I want to make something. I'm just going to make it. I'm just fascinated with the idea of editing something, with the moving image, with angles, with framing, with light, with color, with costumes, with sets, with locations. For me, it's always locations. I love naturalistic 
if I if I would ever get money or ha- said, ah, you know what, I'm going to make another movie, I just go out and find places to shoot that appeal to me. The location would even kind of like make the scene. Like I say, this is a great place for people to have a conversation about this or for this to happen. And that could kind of make the film. Um, you know, you don't always just sit down and write a script. I think that sometimes flashes of images of, or a, it's almost like a little bit of like a, a the a rip in the space-time continuum where that story like kind of just floats over into you and you see it and you're like, wow, that that exists right now. That I'm going to make that happen. And that's what I hope is happening to a lot of people because um, that article, that link letter where he was talking about, here, you know what? Let's see. I think, uh, oh, yeah, here it is. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read some of his quote. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, Trailer. Oh, oh, there we go. Link letter on the last good filmmaking era. And this is just, this is from Dark Horizons. But um, he, Link letter was getting really good. He's getting really good reviews for his uh, comedic assassin thriller film, Hitman starring Glenn Powell, who is the guy who I got mixed up with like three other white dudes. Um, Doing press for the tour, he spoke to The Hollywood Reporter. Asked if a career like his would be possible anymore in this day and age and the current state of American filmmaking. He says he's glad he managed to get some films out before computer-driven statistics and algorithms took over. It feels like it's gone with, this is his quote, it feels like it's gone with the wind or gone with the algorithm. Sometimes I'll talk to some of my contemporaries who I came up with during the 1990s and we'll go, oh my God, we could never get that done today. I was able to participate in what feels like the last good era for filmmaking. He points to distribution have fallen off and wonders if there's a new generation that really values cinema anymore before quickly acknowledging that was a dark thought. But he also acknowledges that it's hard to see cinema slipping back into the prominence it once held, especially indie cinema. Um, Well, you know what? The reason why this hits me is because Linkletter is a guy who inspired, I mean, at least for my generation coming in the 90s, um, coming up in the 80s, 90s, what have you. He is one of the top. Um, for me, waking life was absolutely amazing. Uh, I mean, almost, you know, all of his early films, I could go through them all were just really inspiring of slacker being numero uno. Um, and Tarantino has recently said something similar, you know, I mean, look, this is like the same thing when a bunch of like old quarterbacks come out and they're like, I don't know, back in my day, we didn't run. You know, we ran if the pocket broke down. Maybe if there was better protection or better offensive scheming, the quarterback could actually pass the ball and not be the running back, like something like that. And uh, sometimes they're right. You know, sometimes what if it's if like say I don't know in a couple of years if all those running quarterbacks are breaking their legs, which hasn't happened yet. Um, sometimes there could be a point, and in this, does he have a point? Yeah, he has a point. I've often said myself. I mean, YouTube has been what out. 
uh, out for what, 20 years? How has YouTube made cinema better? What advances in editing, style, composition, uh, in-camera work has TikTok made films better? Should we expect things like that to translate, right? That's another thing is, what's the difference between uh, a clip on Facebook or Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, television, film. Is that the progression? You see how I did that? And you think like from lesser to the greatest? Because I have always fought the idea that film is somehow better than television. When in the end, you're going to watch that fucking movie on a, on a television anyway. 90% of the people who have seen any movie anywhere saw it, maybe not the first time, but again and again on a television or I've seen way television shows when you, when you're going to watch a film again, what do you watch? You're going to, do you go rent out a theater when you're like popping in your Blu-ray or you're streaming something from Netflix? You go rent a theater. No, you're watching it on your, it's just a distribution platform, right? But when television came out and when you look at the nineties filmmaking, how it, a lot of it was inspired by kids who grew up watching television and watching films on television, like all the fucking shit that Tarantino rips off is just from movies he saw on fucking TV on Saturday afternoon, like I used to watch on Channel 11 and Channel 9. So there's some kind of right reciprocal nature there. How is that working with YouTube, with TikTok? Is putting a camera in front and doing some fucking dance while you lip sync a song, I, is that helping, is that pushing cinema? There are some filmmakers who try to work with that, people who try to integrate um, what, like horrible vertical filmmaking or like, you know, <laughs> fucking turn your camera to this, turn your phone to the side. Is that in any way pushing film? And I don't know if it is. But then again, I also say to myself, perhaps that is an unrealistic expectation, right? And the thing that pushed me to pick up a camera when I was a kid, which was I was just fascinated with the moving image, but also with editing, right? Editing is film. That is what it is. You can... I, it, I, don't, I mean, look, you can have the greatest shot shit. If you don't edit it properly, editing is what creates all the magic of film. It transforms time and space, location, emotion, everything. And that's what really fascinated me. I've told this story before. The first time I ever edited on iMovie, I started crying. I just broke down crying. And the, and and the guy was like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "Dude, you don't understand that I wanted to do this. I never thought I'd be able to do this. Like, it's so difficult cutting actual film and to just sit here and go doo, 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 doo. like this was just like a miracle to me. I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And also, I realized I could just go home and do it. It was quite addicting too. Um, but I hope these stories I'm telling now. And when I hear Linkletter say that or Tarantino say that, 
I want to push back against them because even though I may not see a direct link in style or a positive link because there are some links I've seen in newer films and I use this, the it film as a great example of a, a movie, which to me is just a sequence of YouTube segments or scenes. It's so disjointed. It's like, it, it's, it's as if it says, we must have this next scene where they do this. They must now do this. And it just felt weirdly, like YouTube to me where like someone is like talking real quick and that goes, blah, blah, you know, like something pops out. It's just like, because this is what a thing like that should look like. It's like art imitating art. That's just imitation. It's not even homage or anything like that. It's not adding anything to it. There's no style to it. Um, I may feel that way, but I still feel that with the strike, with so many kids picking up cameras or having their picture taken and we've become a completely performative society, you know, I mean, do you remember that there actually used to be people who didn't want their picture taken? It's true. When I was growing up, most people did not want you to take their picture without asking them like everyone. I mean, <laughs> if I just whipped out a camera in public when I was a kid or when I was a teenager, and these are things that I actually did do when with a video camera when I was later in my, well, my late teens and in my 20s, and people would be like, put their hand up. Now people, people are like, oh, hey, they start performing, start doing a little twerk or something. You know, everyone's so performative. Um, my hope would be that Linkletter is wrong. Tarantino is wrong. That was just, we're at a low point right now. And that's really, for me, that's a more about a business thing. And that's like the thing where I'm looking up what, what happened to Brad Anderson? Why did it take so long to direct a film? I look Jeff Nichols. Why hasn't he directed a film? For me, being a fan of film and TV, I have never noticed so many directors going so long without an auteur driven film that had previously or done one or started their career that way. It, it, it's, it, this is how it was in say the eighties, uh, where everything was genre, everything was IP. Um, I mean, you still had a lot better films because adults, you know, you ask somebody their favorite movie today and they're going to tell you like the fucking Avengers or something. Back in the day, people would at least have the decency to say The Godfather, which is a great film, right? Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry if your favorite movie is The Avengers. It's a, hey, you know, but I mean, hey, those last two ones are really good. Uh, the Thanos ones, I got to admit. Favorite movie ever though, that's maybe favorite is a different word from best, right? Um, that's true. But back in the day, those things could be more synonymous than they are today. When someone's like my favorite movie, you know, my favorite movie ever is like, what's your favorite movie ever? Um, Titanic. <laughs> Who cares? I shouldn't make fun. I feel bad. And I shouldn't make fun of people's favorite movies. But anyway, the point is that it is, there is a low point in film and television is riding high. And it has been for quite some time uh, because that's where the money is. You could, it's easier. 
You put it on, you charge money for commercials, and if and if the um, if the program gets more popular on a week to week basis, you can charge more money, right? So you could you could actually have something that increases in value instead of film, which is always going to decrease. It's never going to do as well as the first weekend, and you have to put so much money into marketing. Whereas with the television, you have a built in marketing system, which is the platform. Uh, but also the the people's expectation that has been developed over the last couple of years. What's the newest series, right? That's what people look for. Um, mo- films have been turned into primarily tent poles. Everything is a tent pole, right? A big. Back in the day, the the one or two or three movies that would come out in the summer that were huge. That's every movie now. It has to be that movie, right? That's all the Marvel movies. That's all the fucking horror movies. That's all that kind of stuff. And for a filmmaker like a Linkletter, a Tarantino, it's harder to break through. I mean, maybe not critically, but commercially. Christopher Nolan, what didn't uh, Oppenheimer made like a, like a hundred million or more or something like? It's a lot. Christopher Nolan is not known for his films making huge amounts of money. Um, And Oppenheimer was probably helped by this ridiculous Barbenheimer thing, which I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit too old for it, but I I don't begrudge anyone. I'm glad everyone had a great time. I I think they did an amazing job of marketing that Barbie movie. Uh, Greta Gerwig is awesome. That's fantastic. I just, I just don't normally get into that stuff where it's like, I'm going to go see these two movies in one day. Fuck that, man. No, no, no. You're lucky if you're going to get me to go to a movie that's two hours long. I'm going to go sit six hours in the fucking theater. And also what a, what a contrast. It's too, too, too big of a contrast. I'll see one movie. I appreciate it. Wait a little while. See the other one. Um, but I guess it did get more people to the theater, but did it really, I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Look, when you look at the numbers, you look at the people that are going to the theater, how often people go, it is declining. That's, there's so many reasons for that. It's also quality. It's cell phones. It's second screens. It's people's attention. It's okay. That doesn't mean movie making is dying because again, Mr. Linkletter, what the fuck did you do when you made slacker? You picked up a fucking camera. And you, you got a bunch of people who wanted to be in front of it, who are artists, and you made something. That's all people have to do. It's not fucking hard. It is not, filmmaking is incredibly hard, but it's also incredibly easy because really the number one thing you need is desire. You got to just want to do it. And then you can just make up, especially today. Come on. My iPhone shoots a better picture than the camera we shot fucking smokers on that the camera that not the camera he shot. Well, technically speaking, it's probably not better than the camera he shot slacker slacker on, but it's almost as good as far as the uh, visual quality and sound as well. Sound has not made the same advancements um, as as visuals have, but it, it has in many ways advanced. So that's my, uh, that's my long, uh, soliloquy on film. Um, but that's what I hope. I hope that kids pick up a camera and make something, you know, I've been lucky enough through my career to have, um, to be able to see 
kids that I taught um, editing or film for a little while. Not, I'm not saying I taught them how to do it. At some point, I was a part of the process of their education. Um, and older people too. About a rate, I just saw one of these dudes, Corin, who uh, can't, used to come into the People's Channel, and he had been making movies before he met me. And uh, but I was able to teach him some things and be his editing teacher and help him with the movie he was making. Then talk to him later. And I think just being involved with people and giving them some, some support because I, as I've talked about with Solo, when it especially when it comes to making a film. Um, it's all, you got to fake it till you make it. And you're just bullshitting everyone until you sit there and they watch what you made. And then you're just waiting for them to turn to you and say, okay, this is actually something. Or, I don't know, you know, it's okay. You know, (laughs) they're like, shit. You know, because what you are striving for is something that is what professional or that passes for what someone would say, hey, I would pay to watch this, right? And I think that's why so many of these big directors, like a Brad Anderson, does tons of TVs, probably directing tons of commercials, making good money, to pick up a camera on his own and make it, he's thinking to himself, oh, shit, I don't have a production design. I don't have 15 people in an office ordering supplies for me. I don't have... I don't have a DP even. I'm the only I'm the only person. Oh my God, this is gonna look like I'm a fucking amateur and I'm never gonna get hired to do a commercial league. I'm never right. There's that fear when art becomes commerce. Um that you know, you could fall into that. But I but then you have people like a Soderbergh, a Tarantino, a PTA who never have that fear. <laughs> It just doesn't exist because they they have so much confidence and they live film. They are film that anything they make is they will just stand up for it and say, fuck you. You don't think it looks, oh, hey, I don't like this or, you know, I mean, I think Soderbergh takes the most chances um, and people say, oh, you're cheap. You're doing this or you're making an iPhone commercial and be like, fuck, I don't give a fuck what you say. I'm a creative person. Then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and make something else. So I don't really care. By the time you're talking about the shit I made, I'm already making something different. So I've changed the conversation while you were talking and you don't even know it. So I think that's the kind of attitude that young filmmakers need to have. They need to not worry if something is going to get a like or if they if if it's going to go viral or if it's going to be different or cool or or someone's going to think they're better than someone else they just need to be good right they need to be confident and competent and go out and make something and don't care what anyone says about it or what the feedback is or even thinking that anyone's going to see it because that is a major obstacle too if while you're if while you're creating something your impetus is for people to see it it is of less value in my mind this is like the kanye principle um if that is your if that is your desire you may make something that is sparkly on the outside but it is bereft of any depth soul or anything it 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 exists to attract an eyeball 
And I think that's part of the issue why maybe the YouTube, the thing has not really forwarded filmmaking or techniques or styles so much. I mean, what is it? I mean, really more than anything, video games, uh, I think have had way, way more of an effect on film. If you look at the last 20, 25 years of filmmaking, I think, I think the number one outside source, it's almost like painting, novels, music, video games is like kind of the, the uh, things that have, like the outside art that most, I think a, a dance at one point have most influenced film. And video games, I think, still continue to do so. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, my, I, I kind of disagree with Linkletter, and I think things will change. And, you know, I mean, what was it 10 years ago when everybody was like, oh, my God, there's going to be so many films now. You can just crowdfund it. What the fuck happened to that? Again, I think it comes to that professionalism thing. Because in all art, there's that line between amateur and professional, and you never know when you have crossed that line. And at any point, all artists are scared that they're going to fall back from that line, that they're going to establish themselves as a professional artist, and then something they're going to do or some, some impression that someone has about them is going to cause them to fall back and be an amateur. And when you have that, that fear is the mind killer completely Dune, baby. I'm still going to see it. Chalamet, you made out with a Kardashian, you motherfucker, you disappointed me, but that's okay. I'm still going to see Dune, man. I was just watching Arrival again the other night. God damn. That movie is fucking great. Seriously. That is one of the best films of the past, definitely last decade, Arrival. Fantastic. Um, I went on kind of a, 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 a bit of a rant, and uh, I, uh, half this fucking podcast is recorded. I'm like, look at this. Good job, Foley. Anyway, there's another teaser, okay? Just yesterday, things Andy and I were talking about. I'm going to see. Are you going to hear this? Let's see. Oh, oh no, it's not. Oh, it's not playing through. Okay, here, I'm going to turn the sound down. Um, what? Okay, listen, I'm sitting here watching this teaser trailer for Monarch series, Legacy of Monsters, with my man Kurt Russell watching some old ass lost looking fucking Dharma initiative. Oh, look at this. Experience the epic series. Let me tell you something. You know what? One mic. This is. Oh, look at this. Looks awesome. That will expose the mystery. Oh, my God. They're finding files on a computer. Oh, dude. There's some guy in a desert. Oh, big ass bird flew over. Oh, look like Kurt Russell was holding somebody's hand. I'm giving you live shit right here. Oh, there's Wyatt Russell playing Kurt Russell when they first discovered that Gojira. Oh, there he is. Gojira. Oh, man. It looks. Look at Kurt Russell. He looks awesome. Hey, wait a second. Those look like wait a, those look like different shots. Hold on a second. Who is in this series? Anna, so I Ron Ron Watabi. It's in Japan. It's all over the place. Oh man. Okay. 
I'm really excited about this. Listen, one mic, you are going to watch this show and you are going to love it. Yeah. John Goodman was in some different shots there. They're not listing him in the credits, but it looks like, oh no, it says it. The trailer also confirms John Goodman will reprise his Kong Skull Island role because it's not when you look on IMDb. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be awesome, man. I am so excited. Look at this. Look at these monsters. How do you not? Oh, look at Godzilla, motherfucker. Oh, shit. Damn, you know what he was doing. He was going, rah. I love Godzilla, man. Where does this anti-Godzilla shit come from? Listen, from now on, the DVR Podcast Network is dedicated to one thing and one thing only. Okay, folks? To dispel the rumor that Godzilla is bad. A Husser and and One Mike have started this rumor. We're going to dispel it. And when this, you know what? I'm going to cover this fucking series. I'm going to have to go back and remember what, I don't don't know if I can do that. There's too much shit with all those movies. (laughs) I don't know if I could go back and watch all those movies and and know this world well enough to cover. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. How about that? That's what I'll promise. But this teaser looks awesome. Oh, man. I am so excited. Holy cow. That's my number one. Nah, no, 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 no. I got to stay with my 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 lady, Britt Marling. All right. We got anything else uh, that's going on? Any other news that I want to talk about? Let's see. Roku channel pulls 35. Ser- this I wanted to mention. Back in the day when we did a, uh, oh, I want to try to stop doing that. Have I done this a lot? Like when I, when you like suck your, I, I listened to the other podcast I did and I thought I was doing that too much. I'm going to try to stop doing that. Sometimes after you breathe, you have the tendency to do that, but that's a, na- people don't need to be hearing me smack my lips or anything. Um, what was I talking about? Okay. Remember Quibi back in the day? Quibi, where they made a bunch of series, and again, it was the vertical phone shit, and it was Katzenberg and all these fame and all these people put millions of dollars into it, and then it lasted like three minutes. And first, they said it's going to cost you like six bucks. Then they were like, "Hey, everyone can have it for free." And I ended up watching a couple of them. One of the shows was funny enough. If I don't know if anyone remembers, but back when we were covering The Bachelor, um, somebody sent me a <laughs> like a preview of Barkitecture with um, I think that's what happened. I don't I don't know. Anyway, we talked about it uh, with the guy from um, uh, from The Bachelorette. Uh, I don't even remember his name anymore. And this is one of the shows. What happened is when Quibi went bye bye. Roku bought all the shows for like nothing. And there was some interesting stuff. Kiefer Sutherland did a fugitive remake and a Kendry did and a Kendrick did a comedy. Um, there's a, there was actually a bunch of weird shows. Andy Cohen diaries. Let's roll with Tony Greenhand. Uh, I don't know. Eye candy. What was this? Run this city. This saw all these weird shows. Well, anyway, Roku bought them, paid a, probably what was a good amount of money for them, but not a lot of money. I mean, for us, it's a lot of money. And now in order to save money, they're doing what all these 
uh, different streamers are doing. And don't ask me to explain this to you because I don't understand how taking a show off your own channel, you just write that off, whatever. It occurs to me that with everything that's happening with TV and film and whatnot, we might need to take a look at uh, re-implementing some of those rules that we used to have about uh, vertical integration in distribution and production in television and film. But that's another story. Anyway, so they all these things that they were, Roku was trying to make their own channel, Roku TV, we got this, that, the other, they did the Weird Al movie, they're probably going to take that off and write it off too. They're just taking them all off. And we've seen this happen in a lot of the streamers. And what does it mean? If you want something to watch again, you better record it, folks. Physical media. Recently, um, I think Disney release is going to release uh, the Star Wars TV shows on Blu-ray and stuff. You know, hey, you pick them up at a garage sale or something later on. But it's good that they they exist. Physical media is important. It just goes to show. I know Solo has a vast collection of films. But even if that just means a file, these days it could mean a file on your laptop, right? But you own it. You're not, it's not, I. you didn't buy it from iTunes or you didn't download it from Netflix onto your phone. You don't own that shit. You know, you have to be able to take that file and put it somewhere where it's not connected to the internet and it still works. Uh, air gapped, as they call it. Um, but just another example of things that have always happened. Hey, back in the day, people would come into World of Video and ask, hey, do you have this thing? It's, a, it's not available anymore. And hey, we had it or Kim's had it or somebody had it, right? Is that, are we going to get to that point? Is somebody going to, are the people going to be doing, they already are and it's on the internet, right? You trade, hey, I have a copy of this, like he said, I have a copy of this game or people trade or whatever. So if you want something and you want to have it forever, it is good to have it on physical media um, because these companies don't owe you anything. And I don't get upset either. Oh my God, you took architecture off. Hey, if it costs them money, what am I paying? When I signed up for Netflix, I didn't sign up for every fucking movie that was ever made. Is that what it said? Did they, is that what they promised me? When I signed up, when I got Amazon Prime, did they send me a letter saying, you now have access to every television and film ever made in existence or that we've ever had? No. So I, the expectation, I don't understand a little bit of the backlash of getting like upset at the company or whatever. It's a bunch of fucking Wall Street bullshit. You know, what are you going to do about it? You, 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 you have to assume, what do you, what do you have trust in these companies or something? <laughs> like are you sitting at home going, I love Netflix. I want to get it tattooed on my ass. No, uh, no, you're not. You're not. You're like, you pay your money. You hope that the quality is there. And if it's not, you cancel your subscription, right? I mean, they do allow you to go month to month. So I think this is a bit of an invented outrage. Um, they can take off or put on whatever they, they do it all the time with other content. I never expected to have access to everything forever. And if someone did, then they were not really paying attention. 
because yeah, unless you have it on a DVD or a file or something, they can do whatever they want with it. All right, folks. Hey, this was a pretty good yap session. What do you think? I like it. This went pretty well. I just talked about a couple of different things. And then the next thing you know, I started yapping again. Look, no wonder I do a podcast. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Monday. I don't know who's coming on the show. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to hit record and I'm going to start fucking making something, right? Just like I'm saying to these fucking kids out there, pick up a camera, just make something. Who cares? Nobody has to like it. Nobody has to ever see it. Make it just for you. As a matter of fact, the best things I ever made is when I literally said to myself, I don't want nobody to see this. This is just for me. And then I finished it and I went, holy shit, this is, I, I should show somebody this. This is pretty good. Um, there you go, right? Do it for you. And then if other people like it, that's a plus. That's not the purpose, you know, to get that like or that love or that check mark or that attention or that view or that count or that follower, subscriber. You know, not everything doesn't, it doesn't, you don't, don't perform so much. Then it's like the whole industry, the mask becomes the face, right? And it's just like performative performance, which I guess, what are you going to do? It'll all come around. I have hope. That's what I have. I have hope. I think this is, I think there is a new generation of filmmakers and writers and directors and people out there. Um, who are going to make some crazy shit and come up with some new stories and a generation that grows up and says, Hey mom and dad, fuck your bullshit. The eighties were not that awesome. The nineties were not that awesome. I don't need to have a fucking care bears movie. I don't give a fuck about the action figure or the fucking skateboard company that saved your fucking life. I lived my own life and I'm going to make a movie about something different that doesn't include fucking teenage mutant Ninja turtles or any fucking song from striper or, <laughs> or rat or poison or anything or fucking none of that bullshit okay nostalgia is not all good you know what's good something fucking new i'm gonna make this something new for the new generation and it's gonna be interesting and cool and fun that's what i'd like to say all right my rant is over peace out everybody <laughs>